Hello, welcome back to the Selfless Syndrome Show. This is episode 209. I'm really excited to share today's conversation with you. I think you are going to love it. I met Lindsay in a round table of other women entrepreneurs and we just immediately kind of hit it off and she was like, I wanna come on your show. And I said, cool. Who she is, is I will introduce her more on the episode, but she's a marketing activist and she has quite the story to share of really powerfully stepping into following your passion and your vision and your purpose. And we have a super fun conversation coming right up. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Selfless Syndrome Show, where we help women executives and entrepreneurs rise through adversity, connect to their intuition, transform their hormones, and get their energy back. This is the show where we go beyond asking, how do I treat my symptoms? And instead examine, how do I truly heal, transform my hormones, and change my life? We are here to bring you outside-the-box ideas, interviews, and action steps focused in the areas of health, relationships, and our career, all three of which have a huge impact on our hormones. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley. I'm your host, mentor, speaker, author, entrepreneur, and thought leader on hormones and work-life balance for high-achieving women. I'm also a wife, mom, and stepmom to four boys and a furball, and I'm a woman whose own life experience and journey from adversity and the resulting hormonal chaos to finding hormonal harmony has led to me helping other women break with convention and find the tools they need to not just survive, but thrive. Ready to dive in? Let's go. Hello, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Dr. Alex, and I'm really excited to be joined today by Lindsay Lachelle. Lindsay and I actually met in a roundtable, and today's conversation might be a little bit different, but I'm really excited to just have her on and share some of her story. So Lindsay is someone who helps women, queer, or BIPOC entrepreneurs, nonprofits, B Corps, and other purpose-driven organizations increase their opportunity through marketing strategy. Um, she's also got a pretty fun story and is just an awesome human being. So Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah. So let's, let's dive in. I know a, a big part of your story is around, I think you described it as being a resistant entrepreneur. Um, and I know mm. a lot of women who listen to the show, like there's been this mass kind of move of, I think like almost 40% of women in corporate, re- like left in 2020 and started businesses. Um, it was like mm. a huge amount. So I, I know lots of people can relate to this. So mm-hmm. let's maybe start there. We'll just see where we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, So I call myself a reluctant entrepreneur because it's it very strange when I look back on my life, I had many, many, many entrepreneurial opportunities and I just didn't take them and didn't take them and didn't take them. Like I had friends, like I had, I had a friend, he was actually a, uh, somebody that I worked with, set me up with a business, built my website, like bought the domain, built my website, like really like set me up with a business. I was tutoring while I was in grad school And I got to the point where I had a waiting list of students. And instead of hiring and training and starting to grow that business, I just stopped doing it entirely. And I have like many, many examples of that in my life. Like I really did not want to be an entrepreneur. But um, right in my late 30s, I found myself in this circumstance where I was married to a a man who was lovely, but uh, chronically un or underemployed. And so I was a breadwinner. I was working in really genuinely toxic 
environments that were toxic for me (laughs) being a smart, smart woman, um, outspoken, opinionated. And, um, and I actually had my last boss, the last time I worked for somebody else, um, I came to him and I, I pitched him, like I had been looking for a job because I knew it was a bad place. Um, couldn't find one, couldn't find one, couldn't find one. I went to my boss and I pitched him and I said, I want to build out as a marketing agency. I want to build out a content marketing team. I can sell the work. Like, you know, I can do the work. I can, I can like hire the people, like, let me add this, this offering to our, to our business. And he said, no, you are a rabble rouser and you will never have more power or more control in this organization than you have right now. And I, and I, and I'm a very pragmatic person. And so what I heard him say was, I'd rather make less money, right? Like that's basically what he said was, I don't want the money in exchange for you growing your opportunity. And I didn't even know I was ambitious until shit like that started happening. And so, so I got to a point where I was so stressed out because I couldn't quit my job because then we would have no income and I couldn't find another job. And I was miserable there. So I was literally, I was taking uh, Ativan for anxiety to get through my work day and then Trazodone for insomnia in order to be able to sleep at night. And I was in full survival mode. And finally, I just got to a point where I started to imagine what it would be like if I were the boss, like, what would it be like if everything that I had seen these other guys do in marketing agencies were choices that I got to make? And so I went to my first client that had followed me. I landed him in the first agency. He followed me to the second agency. And I went to him and I said, I'm thinking about going out on my own. And he said, I'll be your first client. And so I had I had a car that I had paid off that I took out used to secure a personal loan so that we had no savings so that we would have a runway. And I knew we'd be able to pay rent for a couple of months. And, uh, I signed this client onto a $2,500 a month retainer. And that was how I started my business. I absolutely had no, I, it was purely survival mode. It was like, I didn't know what I was going to do if I didn't change my circumstances. Um, and, I'm incredibly proud of the fact like five years later, uh, I had 10 full-time employees, including myself. Like I had built it, you know, I just hustled. I just worked my ass off (laughs) and I'm, I'm really, really proud of that. So yeah. Yeah. So that's how, that was my, my reluctant entrepreneur by the time the (laughs) pandemic, you know, by the time I got to the end of those five years, I was divorced and I was realizing that the job that I had created for myself was not actually the job that I wanted. Um, and so the pandemic gave me a really sort of great opportunity. And that's what I did. So, um, yeah, that, that's how I became a consultant and an activist instead of a marketing, marketing agency owner. Got it. Really, really cool. It's so interesting to me, um, and maybe this is what we're going to talk about today, because I've been reflecting on my own. I was not a reluctant entrepreneur. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I've always had that spirit. And so had when it, I, yeah. yeah, when I got out of chiropractic school, it was like, I'm launching my business. My husband at the time was not on board with the unknowns and the, you know, 
the paychecks mm-hmm. that were, we never knew how much it was going to be and all that. And so he really pushed me to get a job, which is how we ended up in Alaska. Um, I recently was just writing about this actually. So we'll both share our stories and then we can just kind of riff on like all, yeah, this, yeah. all the shit yeah, that yeah. goes on. Right. Um, you know, so I ended up working for this guy and from the very beginning, I was like, this is a terrible idea. Like I just had that feeling in my stomach, but you know, we'd already like left Georgia and we're halfway to Minnesota. And, you know, I actually met the guy cause he was moving to Tennessee. Um, and he took one look at me, you know, I'm five foot four. And at that point I weighed maybe 130 pounds. So I was very little. And so he's like, oh, there's no way you can adjust. So he's like, yeah, you have to come prove yourself for two months. You know, we'll talk. And I was like, you know, I, at that point in my life, I'm like, okay, well like F you and okay, like let's go. So yeah. Can I just, can I just like throw <laughs> like, something in here this? really quick? Because like, yeah, as, as somebody who uh, loves my chiropractors, like <laughs> the smaller you are, the better you have to be at it because you can't brute force that shit. You have to actually have technique. Yes. And he doesn't even know that as a, okay. And like, he was a short, he had short man complex. He's only like maybe five, he was maybe five foot five. So like he had that going on. He's very like muscly, but um, that's, you know. Patriarchy is bad for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's what I say all the time. Patriarchy is bad for everybody short men are at the top of that list. Like, I mean, not the top, but they are on that list. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, I, you know, I show up in Alaska by myself. I found out I was pregnant three days before I went, which was not part of the plan at all. And, you know, I walk into, like, I literally walked off the plane into the office for my first shift and like the front desk girl picked me up and just took me right there. And he lined up every like really hard to adjust, you know, big, tough like blue collar nice. male that he had nice. and all of his favorite patients and they all loved me of course so of you course. know I got the job but like I had the experience of like he actually ended up going to jail <laughs> like cops came and seized like a whole bunch what? of stuff from, from the office yeah like everything could have gone wrong I like was six <laughs> months pregnant when all this crap is going down my son ended up being oh, born early and I you know like we talked about the point we hit right like with just oh, like this God, is not yeah. what I'm freaking supposed to be doing and so yeah. I actually ended up starting my own business and launching it when my son was six weeks old his adjusted age was only one week because he was born so early and like had the thing oh. just you know grow and grow and grow but like you I hit about oh, that five-year mark and it was like the gut stuff was talking to me again and like this is yeah not actually what you're supposed to be doing but I had a hard time listening yeah. and so you know what I wanted to get into with you is like for our listeners you know, we both had that experience of hitting the point where it was just like, mm-hmm. I'm doing this. I don't know how it's yeah. going to go or what it's going to look like exactly, but like, I know I can't keep yeah. going down this road because I'm not healthy and, you know, all the things. Yeah. Um, and there's like even more to my story, but <laughs> that's the, yeah. you know, writing it and like, Jesus, you can't make this stuff up. Like, not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. A, a movie couldn't make that up. <laughs> Um, so let's, uh, where, where do we go from here? You know, I I guess like what words of encouragement for anyone listening who's like maybe in that place where they're coming up against the, the breaking point, we'll call it like, and it doesn't have to be, you know, jumping into entrepreneurship. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a, like we hit this point, right? Yeah. You know, I have through not great experiences. Um, like, you know, putting myself through college, like, you know, there's a, like through, through like 
experiences that were harder than they needed to be in lots of ways. I learned at a very early age that I always land on my feet. And I really, that gives me the freedom to trust, trust my gut, you know, and, and sort of know that everything will be okay. Like what's the worst thing that happens? And I play this game with myself a lot, like play it out. If I fail, what does that look like? What does it cost me? What are the right? And what's at stake? Because I think when you ask yourself that question, you find it's the stakes aren't actually that high. Like you, you know what I mean? Like there's always a job. There's always something. There's a, like I was I, I got laid off my first toxic agency that I worked at. They actually fired me because I don't because healthy communication was not the leader's forte, right? Like yeah. we literally he would he would have two beers before an employee uh review because that that's how uncomfortable he was being honest with people. So um so so yeah, rather rather than deal with me or coach me or put me in another role or whatever, they just fired me. Fine. Um, and when my when my um, unemployment ran out, I started waiting tables. Like it's fine. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing. Like I don't I don't have any baggage about like what makes an honest day's work or being a professional or being. You know what I mean? Like you you figure shit out. And so through you know, my divorce was very much uh, like I had the best midlife crisis ever, right? Got got a divorce, started a business, got a BMW. Like it was like tick, 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 tick. Like absolutely cut my hair. It was perfect. Um, and, and a lot of that was just playing out what's going to happen. What's the worst thing that happens if I make this choice? Um, and then envisioning you know, but like, what is my life like if I do this? What is my life like if I don't? And I, I make a lot of choices that I think about what is future Lindsay going to feel about the choice I'm making right now. Um, yeah, like that's yeah. that like future Lindsay play. I think a lot about her. I mean, I do, I do that bitch a lot of favors, you know? I like it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, part of it is also just like my anxiety, right? My family of origin, all that garbage is like very much like, I feel like I need to be prepared for everything. And so, um, so starting to understand that I, that I, you can't prepare for everything. And also you can trust that things will work out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that trust, yeah, I was having this conversation with a client recently um, and she's, you know, someone who's gone through a lot of transition, had a lot of trauma in her first marriage and, and just, you know, she's still kind of coming out of that. Even, I mean, that takes a while to, to heal another layer to my story that I've talked about on the show some, um, yeah. but you know, she made a comment. She's like, well, I just, I don't trust my gut or my inner voice because mm. it led me into, you know, certain mm. situations. And so I think like for a lot of us, it can be hard to, cultivate that again especially because mm. like you know the person we tend not to keep our word to right. is ourselves right like yeah we're the last thing on the schedule first thing that goes off like you know something comes up we're the thing that's always getting dropped and yeah know. we're the first person to criticize ourselves and we're the first person yeah. to deprioritize ourselves yeah yeah and so there's something to like even you know 
navigating any kind of transition or, or big thing or hard thing or mm-hmm. you know if you're hitting that breaking point like mm-hmm. the first thing I would argue we need to learn is how to build trust with ourselves again um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and and a lot of that is giving yourself credit yeah right? like that's the part that's the thing that we are really never ever ever taught to do like I'm so it is starting to be modeled in you know women celebrities and and stuff like that you're mm-hmm. starting to see women being like yeah I'm rad and that's okay and like let's be honest about it and yeah. and I really that's a thing where at least at least for me and my family like the the being being beautiful and being likable were the two the two like highest and best things a woman could be in in the family I grew up in and so yeah. Uh, <laughs> the fact that like neither one of those are necessarily my like natural position. Like it's just not really like doesn't really play to my personal strengths. Um, I think I I really my, the way that my brain works is very much in a binary of choice. So I'm just always evaluating which one of these things is better for me, and I remember there was a day where I was like, why is my brain telling me that I'm ugly or that I'm fat or whatever it was? It was like a very, like, I'm like standing in front of the mirror and stressing out about something. And I'm like, why is my brain being mean to me? That's stupid. I'm not going to do that anymore. And it was just like, like for me, there's like, is this productive? Is it not productive? Yes or no. And just like, and I, and I iterate my brain like that constantly. And That's so, awesome. yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's a gift. I do not take it for it, granted. I've been to a lot yeah. of therapy. I know that this is not, it's not that way for everybody, um, but it's super learnable. I, I didn't come out this way, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I've been doing a lot of work lately on um, like inner trauma stuff and, and a lot mm-hmm. of what comes up is actually like, like from living in a patriarchy and mm-hmm. having you know we just have these like societal collective imposed rules and and things that we should fight into and it's like who the hell says <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> so weird thing um it's and so the weird more, yeah the more we can interrupt that the more we really get to like who we actually are <laughs> and, like, yeah what we really are here for yeah. It's, it's, I'm sure you know this too. And, and other moms. So I, I um, don't have my own kids, but my partner has a, a six and a half year old. So I'm a stepmom. Mm-hmm. and uh, gosh, watching her explore and learn about the world in specifically as relates to, you know, sex and gender and all this kind of stuff. It really reminds you about just how like weirdly irrational the patriarchy is, right? She's like, yeah. How come boys don't have to wear shirts when they were in a bathing suit and girls do? I'm like, not going to explain to a six year old the hypersexualization of women, and like, yeah. you know, like I don't need to, I don't need to do that. But it does get to the point where it's like, how do you explain that to a six year old? The only answer mm-hmm. is like, because the world isn't fair. Because, because things are, because like culture made some bad choices a long time ago and now we have to pay for them. That's it. Like there's no, you know, and so that's the kind of thing that really helps, really helps bring it into relief for me, especially living in Southern California. Right. Because it's, 
it's easy for me to take for granted how how stupid and shallow the culture is here. Yeah. I wonder if it if it is if you find latent feminism, right? Like accidental feminism more uh pervasive in a place like Alaska, where I feel like it's like the the wilds can be like a great equalizer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's it's hard to say. Like, you know, women certainly fill a different role, I think, in that kind of environment. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm doing stuff I I would typically like assume that the man would do, especially right. when I was a single mom up there. Um yeah. and it's interesting, like my husband's Alaska native and so the native culture is actually a matriarch. Mm, sort of <laughs> it's like <laughs> I've, I've had some conversations around it you know like his mom and aunt and cousin have all been chief of their their village and like in leadership cool. roles and you know so there's this like honoring of women in that way like I know tons of native women who are in really you know like what we would consider male like high level leadership roles yeah. and yet this there's there's this pervasiveness of like I've, it's almost 100 percent of the native women have been abused um at some point wow. in their life and so it's like this weird I haven't really wrapped my head around or grappled with like what uh, is going on in that yeah that scenario but Alaska has the highest rate of you know sexual assault and domestic violence in the country um, I think it's like one in four and in the native population that's basically 100 percent 100 percent that's yeah. awful yeah so there's like to like how do you square that yeah 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 and like how do you honor and also abuse and I I don't have the answers like nobody does Um, you know I've had clients that kind of have some some big movement in working with me through that and then they're like but this isn't my fight like I don't know let's do I'm like no it's not like all all we can you know worry about ourselves and (laughs) yeah and the rest will follow but yeah so not to bring the conversation down yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. I mean, I do I do find, you know what you said like uh this isn't my fight. Like I do find great comfort in that kind of thinking, you know. Yeah. Even as, you know, I call myself a marketing activist and yeah, I'm, a, yeah, I'm an advocate and that cuz I know um and you do marketing for like organizations that typically aren't the people hiring, you know. Big marketing organizations, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell so, us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So, so my, so the idea is what I know for sure is that women, queer, BIPOC entrepreneurs have fewer opportunities than other entrepreneurs, right? We just have to work harder for fewer resources. Like there's this, you know, oft quoted, whatever last year, it was like, one half of 1% of all venture capital went to black women like that, like that is like such garbage. Right. Yeah. And so, so I, uh, as an agency owner developed a marketing framework that basically allows an organization to substitute strategy and empathy for marketing resources. So we like do this work, we do this like really deep collaboration, looking at your marketing audiences, who are you talking to, what are you offering to them, and how does that make a really unique and resonant sort of message? Um, And then you get super smart about where on the internet or where in your marketing that shows up so that you actually can do a lot less marketing and still be really 
really effective because you've thought through the messaging so much. And so, so, so my theory of change is if nonprofits and B Corps, yes, but also these types of underrepresented and under-resourced entrepreneurs have more opportunity and more resources because their marketing is good and they're not wasting, wasting any money, time or money there, then the world becomes a better place because either the work that they're doing is contributing to a better world or just by their own success, right? For me, if you're like literally in my client list, if you're a white dude, if you're a straight white dude, you got to come at me with something better than like a good business idea, right? My, my, my straight white male clients have software that is uh, designed to support special needs kids. They have, they run nonprofits. They do, they're doing something important. If you're a black woman, I swear to God, as long as you're not drilling for oil or selling guns, I don't care what you do to make yourself wealthy, like get it. And so that, so I get to decide what makes the world a better place. And, Love and it. <laughs> all, uh, yeah, and all of, and all of those people are my clients because the, the tool mm-hmm. I have is just a tool, right? It doesn't matter if you're, if you're for-profit or nonprofit, it doesn't matter if you're selling goods or services, it's just a tool. Um, but it's a tool that really clarifies your marketing to the point that, uh, that you can do it, that you, you know, you're not wasting time, you know, you're not, um, you know, over like I, as a woman entrepreneur, right. We're always worried about how we're being perceived and are we mm-hmm. self-promotional? Are we asking too much? Like, do you know, we also pay us you. ourselves like 28% what males in the same role would pay themselves. I read this statistic recently and I was like, what? Wow. I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. I mean, I definitely, I there was, there was definitely a lot, a lot of months when I had employees that I was the last one to get paid. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I skipped. I skipped, yeah. I skipped paychecks for sure. Uh, I don't do that anymore, but I used, <laughs> used to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Also been there. Not fun. Yeah. So that's, so that's what a, being a marketing activist is. It's like, I have a yeah. hammer, right? <laughs> like I know how to, <laughs> I, I have this tool, so I'm just going to make it so that, so that uh, I, I want to work on all those nails. Yeah. Yeah. And what I really love about that is like, I imagine coming from the background that you did in marketing agencies, like there's a lot of misogynistic crap and just like, oh my God. you know, turning, it's like when McDonald's started marketing themselves as healthy, I'm like, who the hell came up with that? And why are they allowed to be alive? Like, what, <laughs> honestly, who did that? But, you know, someone was yeah. smart and, and learned how to talk to the people. But what I love, yeah. you know, you've really taken ownership of like, no, I'm only going to help people who are actually doing things that I can get behind their message. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you've got resources, yeah. then go buy a bunch of terrible ads and you're like, yeah. no, like bad businesses can be super successful with good marketing. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. but unfortunately that's, that's not my people, right? My people mm-hmm. are the ones that have good businesses and need the good marketing because good businesses can fail if they don't have good marketing. And so that's really, that's the the problem I'm trying to solve. And organizations that have big marketing budgets, they don't benefit from a partnership with me in the same way. Um, It's just, that's just not what we do, you know? Yeah. And what I really love is how like clear you are and just owning what it is that you do. Because I, I, you know, I know for a lot of women who are either have jumped into the entrepreneurial world or like have visions or dreams of it it's like we get mm-hmm. caught up in the and all the shoulds like oh, okay. it's like we, we don't have permission to just right. create what the 
heck it is we actually want to do. And so we get all bogged down and like, I've been so confused in my messaging for so long and I'm, I'm still yeah. like, it's not like hundred percent there, but I'm just like throwing everything out the window right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Do you know, it's funny because there are really two, there's two ideas that came to me in a business context that mm-hmm. I also apply to my personal life. And one of them is in a marketing context, especially you got to know, yes, who you are for, but you need to know who you are for so clearly that you can articulate who you're not for, Yeah, right? Like don't be afraid of being not for someone. If you go look at my website, like I am trying to turn you off if you are not my target audience. And that's super intentional because don't waste anybody's time. It's not my job to satisfy you if you're not my people. So I don't care. And I feel that way about, you know, as I'm like 46, I moved last year and I moved this year. So I'm like reestablishing social life and, you know, sort of getting, getting things sorted. And I'm just finding that that same philosophy really helps. It's like, it's okay. If you're not my new best friends, like no shade, you know, like I am for some people and I am not for others and that's cool. And, and then the other thing, which again, women entrepreneurs, I needed to hear this so badly when I was a marketing, when I was an agency owner, we are not asking, we are not asking for you to become my client. We are not asking for you to give me $10,000 every month to support your marketing efforts. We are not asking for those things. We are offering a valuable service. We are mm-hmm. offering the opportunity. If you're a nonprofit, we are, you are offering the opportunity to solve important problems, to be a part of this excellent, wonderful thing. Uh, and it completely changes the conversation. It completely yeah. changes the conversation when you're, when you really look at your, at what you're doing, because there's only two things, either what you're doing is valuable mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's not. Yeah. So as long yeah. as you believe that the thing you offer is valuable, then it's an offer. It's like, yeah. get on the train. If you want to get on the train, your life will be better. If you don't want to get on the train, that's okay too. That's, that's your choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was definitely was- how I approached dating. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, as you were describing me about that, I was thinking about when my husband and I met because we had a very fast and, and furious because I'm also divorced. So um, mm-hmm. I've been remarried for four and a, four years and a little bit now. But, um, you know, at one point he's like, I don't do arts and flowers. Like, I'm not going to write you, you know, exposés and cards or anything. I'll buy you flowers and anniversaries. And like, that's, mm-hmm. that's that. And he's like, that's just who I am. I was like, Okay. <laughs> I don't yep. particularly love flowers, but like I accept that. Like that, you know, yeah. communicating with me that that's how you show me that you care. Like, okay, cool. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like, uh, like not have bottom line is you appreciate a guy who knows who he is and, yeah, and right. Exactly. And isn't going to try to be something he's not. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, let's just own it. We can both be okay or with I, that. Yeah. We've exactly. a great marriage. So, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think we get so caught in, especially around valuing ourselves, like whether it's a relationship or business or, you know, how you, your job, like we, and again, I don't have answers for this, but as women, like we get in these stories and it's like, we don't value ourselves and we won't fight for what really matters. And we don't ask for the raise. And like, I was either reading something or watching something. It's like, 
part of why women make less money is because we'll work for less. Like we don't yeah. think to ask for more. And yeah, you know, like you're an advocate. It's all about advocating for ourselves. Right? Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, that was in, in uh, the last job I had, right. I was doing everything the internet tells you to do. I was like looking around the room at who else had director level jobs and they did not have as much experience as me in their respective fields mm-hmm. and asking about their salaries and they that it, that that was all under wraps and so I literally went to my boss and I was like tell me where the target is what do I need to do to get a director level role like how much experience how many clients what what's the salary that comes with it like you show me give me the job description so that i know what i'm aiming for no 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 wouldn't do it just wouldn't do it no because because then he would have to give it to me and he knew he wasn't (laughs) going to do that it was like two two bosses in a row they hired me because they could tell that i was smart and they could tell that i Mm -hmm. that i could make their work better and then uh, when I showed up and started doing that, they decided that wasn't actually what they wanted for me. So. <laughs> yeah. And it's so interesting. Like they, you know, someone in a position of power gets to decide that for you. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't even know I was ambitious. I had no yeah. idea I was ambitious until that, until like I, you know, it was, it was a like classic shit, right? Like I would write the proposal and then the boss would pitch it without me in the room. Right. Like that's the, that, that kind of thing. And it's so, such a cliche, like so classic. Um, and yeah, it's just, you see it happening and then you're like, yeah. but I need this paycheck. <laughs> right. Like yeah. it, just, it wasn't. <laughs> so that one, cause and, I have a couple clients that, you know, they've had their dream for a long time, but they're like, oh. I need the money. So they're like, you know, creating these lengthy timelines of when they're finally going to get to be able to do the thing that they want to do. And I'm curious what you have to say on it. My thing is, you know, if it's really what you're supposed to do, you will figure it out. Like you have to just jump. Right. Yeah. I do. Alone on a car. So you recovered for a little while. Yeah. My, my like $7,500. Yeah. (laughs) Also I have, it's funny. It doesn't, it's, it's not quite the right word, but it feels to me like a privilege to be comfortable with not that much money in my bank account. Like it's not great, but it is, I am not an accumulator. And so I, uh, I have a lot more flexibility in my, in my financial well-being than other folks do. Um, and so for me, that becomes like a, like a, um, cognitive game, right? Like I don't have enough money to do this. What does that actually mean? What does enough money look like? How long? What? When will you have enough money? Because yeah, the you know the there's there's that that wisdom which I really actually do agree with, which that says that if you feel like you're ready, it's way too late, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. that's that's not the point. Yeah. The point is take take a little risk. Take a little risk. Just see how this one little thing goes. Take a bigger risk see how that goes. And pretty soon you get really comfortable with it and you learn that you can trust yourself and you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and money is an interesting place to do that. I've been yeah, working through it. Cause my, I came into a marriage where like, you know, I was very much, I had built my 
empire, right? I owned a house, I owned a building, yeah. I owned a business. I, you know, I nice, had yeah. stuff. Um, and then I got married and I kind of like got rid of all that. <laughs> so I've been looking at like, what, what subconscious thing is like driving that? Yeah. That's interesting. But then it's yeah. like, you know, coming into my husband's level of earning and, and just what he's up to in the world was different than mine. It didn't match. And so it's like, I've yeah. had to get used to with like, wait, we, we spend extra money on flights to sit in first class. What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it <makes me> uncomfortable. <laughs> like I went shopping yesterday and didn't actually look at price tags. I just picked things that I wanted to buy and was like, okay with it. Um, you know, so maybe you challenge yourself in that way, but there's yeah. also this level of, you know, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable in order yeah. to, to change, to grow, to, yeah. to get where we're going. And, you know, we don't want to wallow there, but we have to be willing to like I just recently committed to investing quite a bit in myself actually for the next year. And like, it's uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah. you know, I'll be totally honest with you guys. I'm not sure how we're doing this the first couple of months. And they're like, that's okay. Like you got to stretch. That's right. Um, yeah. 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 That's it. And that is a muscle that gets stronger, right? Yeah. The like taking, taking a little risk, learning that you'll be okay. Being a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, yeah, you really, that is, that is very learnable because that's a, that's a thing where now I'm the kind of person where it's like, if I see a problem, I want to solve it immediately. I don't like, I want to put myself through the discomfort as soon as possible, get it over with, let's fix this thing. Right. And it's, and that isn't great either. Cause it's, yeah, it's no, like, you can crash right. really hard doing that. Is it like, yeah, I've been trying well, to approach can... trauma healing that way. And like, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Um, I mean, I have, I have some, I have, I have lots of, lots of um, ideas and opinions about trauma healing. Um, But I, but uh, I, sometimes you can over-optimize, right? And, and sometimes, and for sure, uh, and this is, I think a, a big thing that holds women, especially back is like, for sure, you can outgrow things and people around you that you might not want to outgrow them. And so that's a, that's like a tough, you know, that's, that's obviously like you got to make choices. Yeah, for sure. Jobs, relationships. I've definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, if you, if you believe, if you can always see something better, if you think, think about what your future self is going to feel about a choice, you know, like there's a, a pretty well covered thing in, in Freakonomics. I think it's in Freakonomics where it's like they use, used a coin toss, like a bunch of people had a choice to make and they, and they all agreed. And the choice was like, should I quit my job? Should I get divorced? Should I move? Like all these like big life choices. And they got these people to agree to let the choice be made for them with a coin toss. The people who the coin toss said, change a thing were universally happier than the people for whom the coin toss said, don't change a thing. Even if the thing didn't work out, even if you took that job and then it didn't work out and you're in somewhere else now, you don't regret making the change. Like it was like the, the, like whatever we can like look it up. I can send you a link, but like for sure 
the thing that you regret is not making a change. And so I try really hard to learn from other people's experiences as much as possible. So I take that on board and I'm like, cool, let's blow things up as often as possible. Yeah. <laughs> you go through levels I mean, of it, right? Like, yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, um, kind of in, in bringing this full circle and then, um, yeah, we, we talked about a lot. So mm-hmm. <laughs> recap, you know, be paying attention, I guess. This is the big thing and be willing to, to jump and to make the change and to blow stuff up. That's not, yeah, you know, we keep ourselves stuck. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And like the, just learn, learn how, you know what I mean? Just like small change, mm-hmm. small change, small change. Like you don't have to change a lot. But um, I could not, I like, I'm, I'm a huge, huge, like therapy all the time, coaching all the time, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't do it without a sounding board. Um, probably you, Alex, and your work feel the same as what I do, where even though the thing I do is work with my clients on marketing, a lot of what I'm doing is giving them permission, yes. right? A lot of what I'm doing is just telling them somebody else told you to do this. So it's okay for you to do this now. <laughs> right. It's so funny how we need that. <laughs> I know with, we really with do. With my clients, it's like in the work I do, because I have an online you know, thing they work through and they all start off like stressed. Like, how much of this am I supposed to be doing? And like, I'm like, you have permission to go as slow as you want. <laughs> yeah. Just, There's a reason my container is a year. <laughs> yeah. This isn't going to be fast. Yeah. 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 Because, because you're, you're like learning new, you're strengthening new muscles, right? Yeah. 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 For sure. No. Yeah. Yeah. Therapy. Psychedelics. (laughs) These are, these are are the tools in my toolbox. (laughs) Hilarious. I love it. Um, And I know before we started recording, you mentioned uh, two courses, at least one of which could apply to like anybody um, that you have. Mm. So maybe we can talk about those I really like the yeah. <laughs> breaking up with social media platforms you don't actually like um in terms yeah. of business but I like honestly it could apply to like anyone who's on social media <laughs> yeah Probably. exactly yeah yes so I oh that's interesting I hadn't really thought about it in a personal setting but maybe yeah. I should yeah. it's funny because I, I actually had a friend I actually had someone reach out to me yesterday that was like you haven't posted on Facebook in a long time are you okay and I'm fine. I just hate Facebook and, and I hate it for like a myriad reasons. Right. So yeah. I, I, um, I hadn't thought about applying this particular approach to my personal channels anyway. So yes, thank you for asking. I have two, two courses, one of which I would be thrilled to gift any of your listeners if they reach out. Um, and it's about walking away from social media platforms without sacrificing business opportunity. So this is like, especially if you are a woman, um, in a B2B context, I'm going to show you how you don't have to be on Instagram and you don't have to be on Facebook and like this, right. That's like the easiest example, but it really applies across the board. Um, and then the other one is, this is actually a request from a client of mine that serves nonprofits. And the course is on healthy delegation. 
it's on how to how to ask people to do a thing and then hold them accountable in a way that they can't turn on you. <laughs> right. Cause that's always like, get off my back. Right. Like this is not yeah. the, like, there's only two things, either they don't do it the way that you want them to. And so you end up redoing it yourself, which mm-hmm. it, especially if you're an entrepreneur is absolutely handicapping your business, right? You cannot yeah. grow if you cannot learn to delegate. And so, um, but even like whatever for kids and partners and roommates, like any application of coexisting where you're going to ask somebody else to do something, this particular approach makes it really, really, really clear and easy. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's a funny thing to be passionate about, but I have worked in roles where I've, where I've organized volunteers quite a lot. And so I find that that's, that's really sort of where it, where it came from. And then obviously I used it and honed it when I had a bunch of employees. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, and I've had that conversation with, you know, I've not every woman that I work with is necessarily an entrepreneur working. Mm-hmm. Some of them have been stay at home moms, which is like 15 mm-hmm. full-time jobs and it's of itself. Exactly. Right? You know, like yeah. my mom's with like five kids. We've had the delegation. Conversation. Delegation. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's got an um, army, that woman. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why are you doing all this? Use your free labor. <laughs> so. Heck yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. Awesome. So where can people go to find out more about those or to get in touch with you? So my website is open-lines.co. Also, you can just Google me, Lindsay Lachelle. Um, But LinkedIn is where I am the most active. So if you have questions, you want to reach out, you want to like poke me about a course or, you know, find about something else like that's, I just, spew a lot of really strong opinions about marketing on LinkedIn. <laughs> Love it. LinkedIn that's, that's, I, I, they do. They really do. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not your, your Instagram marketer. That's not my jam. Yeah. yeah. So it's all good. Yep. Very cool. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, lots of like Likewise. Think, yeah. Anyone will take something from this. <laughs> Likewise, I mean, your 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 clients are obviously really lucky to have to have somebody so so thoughtful and with such a such a really great diversity of your own personal experience. Like, I'm sure that informs your approach, and I'm sure they benefit from it a lot. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going oh. to accept acknowledgement. There you go. I receive it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. I will put links to the um, in the show notes for anybody who wants to get in touch with Lindsay, or you can Google for or reach out on LinkedIn. And I just yeah. appreciate you. So. Get some free course content because that's good shit. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Selfless Syndrome Show. It is for listeners like you that I continue to show up every week to share new ideas, interviews, and action steps on rising through adversity, connecting to your intuition, getting your energy back, and balancing your hormones. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review. You can do this on whatever platform you are joining us from. This helps us continue to grow and reach even more women around the world. Also, while I love showing up and sharing my deep thoughts with you, I'd also love to connect with you and get to know what questions you have and would like answers to. Visit www.selflesssyndrome.show, that's S-E-L-F-E-S-S-S-Y-N-D-R-O-M-E dot show, and send me an email or leave me a message. I will answer your question on an upcoming episode. 
Again, that's www.selflesssyndrome.show. There, you can also get connected, check out previous episodes, watch video of the show, and much more. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, continue breaking with convention and taking action one step at a time. Mm -hmm.